block sports, big 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 block sports. Big block sports. This is episode B NFL Week 12 picks, predictions analysis let's talk about who is going to win these games we got the thanksgiving games coming up first we got the chicago bears minus three and a half at the detroit lions so we're in ford field chicago bears versus the lions i i i am going to pick the lions for the sole reason of Nagy should be fired and nothing is going to get him fired faster than a loss to the Detroit Lions on a nationally televised game in front of everybody. I picked the Lions once before and they let me down. I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to do the same thing again. I think the Bears just have way more talent um, on offense and they have a little more talent on defense. But again, it starts at the top. And I think the Bears with Nagy and Pace I struggle just to accumulate talent and more importantly, take advantage of that talent. Um, I think they, they've acquired some pieces, right? Like Khalil Mack and, and Eddie Jackson and Allen Robinson, but for whatever reason, they cannot maximize the talent those players have. So I'm taking the Lions over the Chicago Bears. You're like, damn, he's starting out this episode with some wild picks already. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I am. Next game. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are six and a half point favorites. You know, I I told myself after the Cowboys lost to the Chiefs that I'd probably never pick the Cowboys again. Um, but given that they're six and a half point favorites, I think C.D. Lamb is coming back, so that should help the offense. And I think them realizing the error of their ways by throwing the ball way too much versus a susceptible Chiefs defense. I think it gave them the opportunity to realize that was a mistake. I think they take advantage of the Las Vegas Raiders who have an excellent pass rush. Not sure of their ability to stop the run. I know Denzel Perryman has been having a lights out season at middle linebacker, but again, he's only one dude and he's not necessarily the fastest guy. He's been in the league a long, long time. And he has some wheels, but I think um, I think the Dallas Cowboys can take advantage of him and that secondary for sure. Buffalo Bills at the New Orleans Saints. I talked about this on episode A. Both this game and the Cowboys game that I just picked is a great opportunity for the Cowboys and the Bills to get off the schneid, as Berman used to say, get back in the thick of things. I think the New Orleans Saints are a team who I, I talked about on a couple episodes. They're they're still trying to figure out what do we do after Drew Brees. And, you know, it's going to turn out one of two ways. They might end up with a situation like the Miami Dolphins, where they're continuing to look and look and look for that quarterback. Or they might find him. You know, like what people believe the Patriots have been able to accomplish, right? By uh, finding Mac Jones in replace of Tom Brady. Like some people feel like, um, 
I don't want to say uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, but you know, like we feel like we have our guy in Trey Lance uh, to replace because the 49ers have been in a very similar situation. I know we've had a couple of um, outlier seasons by Colin Kaepernick and Alan Smith, Alex Smith, you know, but for the most part, we're still trying to find that greatness at the quarterback position. So the Saints are kind of at a crossroads now. I think they kind of hitched their wagons here um, by giving Taysom Hill that unique NFL contract, which I thought was interesting, where if he ends up becoming the starting quarterback, the contract basically turns into an NFL-style quarterback contract. Uh, but for the most part, he's being paid for all of his various positions, tight end, fullback, running back, whatever it is that he plays for them. Hey, in episode A, we talked about positionless football. I think Taysom Hill is part of that evolution, right? He, he can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He can block. He's on special teams. Those types of players, I feel like, will be more and more prevalent in the NFL. In this instance, I don't think he is enough to defeat the Buffalo Bills. I know that the Saints have a very solid defensive front. Definitely a great secondary. So they have some weapons on defense that can slow down the Bills offensively. I do think, however, because Kamara is out, I don't think the Saints will be able to keep up pace with the Buffalo Bills. And I think the only team that can beat Buffalo in this game is Buffalo themselves. But with that being said, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. I can see the Saints covering those four and a half points, just like I can see the Raiders covering those six and a half points. But I don't think either one of those teams will win the game when we talk about the final score. So for our NFL Thursday uh, afternoon, night, because I think the Bills game is at night. Thursday, Thanksgiving games. I got the Lions, Cowboys, and I got the Bills. Let's get into our Sunday, week 12 games. We got the Buccaneers at the Indianapolis Colts. Bucks are two and a half point favorites. Dang, like, you know, the Colts have really been coming on strong. Jonathan Taylor uh, has really been having an exceptional season. I think if, did he start out this way? I think Derrick Henry, you know, overshadowed a lot of what he was doing. But he has come on exceptionally strong these last few weeks. He's caught the ball. He's run the ball. You know, the only thing he hasn't done is thrown the ball (laughs) for a touchdown. But I'll stay tuned. And the Buccaneers come in. Again, still beat up in the secondary. Um, They had some... Great play offensively on Monday night. Can't put too much weight in the game that they played versus the New York Giants. They just obviously fired their offensive coordinator because the offense is trash. So it's not like Tom had to go out of his way to score or had to make sure every chance he got a a possession he had to score. He didn't have that pressure versus the Giants because they couldn't do anything offensively. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure you know, how that Tampa Bay offense is going to compete against a defense like the Indianapolis Colts, who forces turnovers, who has uh, great players on the defensive line, great players at the linebacker, great players at the secondary. Whole lot of details and um, information just for me to say I'm not really sure who's going to win the game. (laughs) But why not? Let's take the Indianapolis Colts. They were my most dangerous 0-2 team. I think the game it the game is in Indianapolis. 
I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the Colts continue to solidify themselves as a contender in the AFC. New York Jets at the Houston Texans. The Texans are a two and a half point favorite. I think they're getting one point, Houston, I mean, just because it's their home game. Wow, interesting matchup here because I could see both teams, especially with Zach Wilson coming back, the Jets may have a little pep in their step. But I do think the Texans, you know, I think what I've seen watching the Texans is that they are not a disorganized bunch, right? I think, for example, like when you watch the Giants game, holding penalties, illegal formations, and all sorts of like they would have a great play and none of them would matter because it would be called back due to some sort of a procedure penalty. So I don't see a lot of that from the Houston Texans. I just I just see a team who doesn't have the talent to compete. You don't have an elite quarterback. You don't have an elite running back. Brandon Cooks could be considered, you know, one of uh, or a elite wide receiver possibly in so many ways, but he's not a he's not getting some of the notoriety and respect that maybe he deserves. Um, so they don't really have anyone on defense that I can think of that is um, that has teams game planning for that player, right? It's kind of the same thing with the Jets, but the Jets, same thing. They're kind of a double-edged uh, sword where not only do they not have the talent, they also are a disorganized bunch, holding penalties, pass interference, holding on defense, offsides, you know, like all those silly five, 10 yard plays or whatever that ruin, you know, the opportunity for them to be in front of the chains. And, and I think they put themselves behind the chains far too much and they don't get off the field uh, defensively. So with that being said, I'm going to take the Houston Texans. I think they have a little bit more organization to what they're doing. I think they have a bit more of an identity. They certainly do their best to try and run the ball, unlike the Jets, who just uh, have a hard time running the ball. So I'm taking the Houston Texans over the New York Jets in this one. Next game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. The Eagles are three and a half point favorites. I am going to continue to ride with the Eagles. I think, again, Jalen Hurts is one of my favorite young and up-and-coming players. I think a lot of people, just like at Alabama, right, wrote him off, wrote him off. Um, forgot about him. He went to Oklahoma and balled out, you know, so he came to an Eagles team who didn't necessarily have a quarterback, just had uh, fired their head coach. They they had, uh, again, spent a lot of draft capital on an exceptional young NFL quarterback, Carson Wentz, and then he got supplanted by Nick Foles. So they had that whole situation going around with the quarterback position. And here comes Jalen Hurts, a rookie who didn't really, you know, fit the mold that those pre two previous quarterbacks left. And then on top of all that, new coach, new system, new offensive coordinators, you know, all of these things playing against him last season. And what does he do this season? Well, he comes out and he plays ball just like he did last season. So I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles over the New York Giants. I know that the Giants just fired Jason Garrett. I don't know how much of that is going to change what happened offensively. I'm, I'm deeply concerned about Saquon Barkley. 
deeply concerned. I, I don't. I I saw a guy who who doesn't know where the holes are. It seemed like every time they came out of the huddle, he had to lean in with Daniel Jones and. It, I, I don't know what he was saying. You know, it could be that he was telling Daniel Jones where to throw the ball, who's open, but it could, I think using that situation, it's a player who is not really sure of the play, not sure of the read, not sure of the route, whatever the case might be. But there's a lot of leaning in. And I know he missed a lot of time, but maybe that's why they fired Garrett. Maybe they feel like he didn't prepare Barkley enough. Um, and that's what caused some of the issues with them offensively. But even when he got the ball, when he knew the play, too much of this. Hit the hole and run, bro. So I'm concerned about Barkley. I'm I'm not sure what he's going to become. But I am taking the Eagles to win that game. Carolina Panthers at the Miami Dolphins. Basically a coin flip. The Panthers are a one and a half point favorite. Two interesting situations when we talk about the quarterback position. I think defensively both teams have some players. Um, in Miami, they have, a, I'm about to call him Xavier Rhodes. His name, his first name is Xavier. Is it Rhodes? Hey, now I can't remember the guy's name. But you know, the defensive back for the Dolphins um, is one of their best players, along with uh, Jones at safety. Carolina Panthers, right? Brian Burns, um, Shaq Barrett. So they have some great talent. Uh, defensive. I'm sorry, is Shaq Barrett for the Panthers still? I can't remember. People keep changing teams. It's Hassan Reddick, right? I think that's playing for the Panthers now. Anyway, CMC is back. Uh, you can already see how much more dynamic the offense is. Cam Newton, I don't want to say he is uh, making the offense excel, but I, I do think he is not holding the offense back like some of the quarterback play we saw from Sam Darnold. So I'll take the Carolina Panthers over the Miami Dolphins. They had an opportunity to win last week versus Washington. Uh, so I really think Carolina is going to come back fired up, ready to show that Cam Newton was the right move. And they will take advantage of the Miami Dolphins by being physical and by being fast, right? I think the Carolina Panthers have some fast players. Uh, DJ Moore on the outside, CMC in the backfield. Tommy Tremble at tight end. All players who can run. Robbie Anderson, run fast. I think they will take advantage of the Carolina, of the Miami Dolphins. Again, game of the week for my eyes, just because we have a bit of an AFC uh, preview here for the championship game. Titans at the New England Patriots. I, I didn't realize uh, the line. Th this was the line. The Patriots are actually five and a half point favorites. I think that's that's swaying my decision because I, I felt pretty confident about this game coming in that the Titans were probably going to be favorites, rookie quarterback. But that Patriots defense, without a doubt, playing lights out the last few weeks, I think they probably have some of the best man coverage corners in the NFL right now, and they seem to always have that. Uh, J.C. Jackson in, in the secondary, Duggar in the secondary, they just latch on to guys, and they they cover them well. Judon, right, huge pickup from Baltimore, has been unblockable, basically, on the edge. And Calvin Noy continues to show the Patriot way, right? So I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game. I think Mac Jones does, does enough as far as throwing in the flat, throwing check downs. 
to keep the offense rolling while the defense just dominates and, and whittles away at the Tennessee Titans. And eventually Tannehill is going to be forced to make some throws. He doesn't have the running game that he used to. They don't have uh, the wide receivers healthy as usual. So I think offensively they're really going to be um, in a difficult position versus that Patriots defense. I'm taking the New England Patriots to win this game. I can see the Titans covering that five and a half point spread, though. I, I could see it coming down to like a 23-20 game um, where the Titans would cover. But I am taking the New England Patriots to win the game. Next game probably would have been a bit more of a story if the teams had faced off earlier in the season. But at this point, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they blow the Steelers out. I think the Steelers, like I said last week, done. You know, I think they showed a little something versus the Chargers, but I think that's that's just kind of what we've come to expect from the Chargers. We're not really sure how consistent they can be. But I didn't put too much ownership, uh, too much stock, I should say, in their ability to come back in that game, as far as the Steelers, I mean. But... Versus the Cincinnati Bengals, I think the Cincinnati Bengals have too much offensively. I think they play good enough defense to stop the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are dealing with some injuries at the wide receiver position. And uh, Najee Harris, for all of his greatness, they're still trying to figure out how to really get that run game going. I think the offensive line, uh, I think the offensive line is still a work in progress. So I am taking the Cincinnati Bengals over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have Atlanta at Jacksonville. Again, uh, Atlanta is a one and a half point favorite, basically a coin toss. The game is in Jacksonville, but you know, Atlanta is what, like a three hour drive from there. So it's, it's very possible that uh, the Falcon fans could travel. Not sure why they would travel and follow that team, but hey, to each his own, right? Atlanta Falcons looked really bad, <laughs> really bad uh, in the last outing. You know, similar things, right? You 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 get a great play holding. Um, you get a great play illegal formation. Defensively, you get a, a great stop on third down, defensive pass interference, uh, illegal hands to the face. You know, like all these little, I don't want to say ticky-tack because they're, they're, they're legit fouls, but all these little things that should be cleared up in OTAs, that should be cleared up in training camp. It's still happening. We're in week 12 now, and you guys are still jumping off sides. You guys are still false starting. Like, it's not a good formula for success. I think Jacksonville, last week, you know, you can say, wow, like, well, Jacksonville isn't really showing much either. Uh, I think Jacksonville is one of those teams where they, they're just the Jaguars, you know, and, and every week, you're not really sure what you're going to get, um, but probability is you're not going to get a good outing just because of the level of talent, you know, at some of the important positions, right? I think they have talent at certain positions, but I think uh, them having an, a, a threat on the outside. I know Marvin Jones is a very talented wide receiver, but I wouldn't consider him a threat, right? Same thing with Robinson in the backfield talented player not a threat you know teams aren't going into the game with Jacksonville saying hey we gotta put everybody on the line and stop James Robinson from running 
they might be doing that to say, all right, we're going to make Trevor Lawrence do stupid stuff, so let's just load the box because they're not going to be able to run either. But if you looked at the game last week, we didn't have to load the box. We stopped them from running, and we were still able to play coverage. So with that being said, I don't know who to pick because <laughs> both of these teams are pretty terrible. I don't like the Falcons, you know, in this game. I think the game's at Jacksonville. I think the Jaguars got a beat down last week. I think they're going to come out. I think they learned a lot from that game. I want to say the Falcons and Arthur Smith, they don't run a similar system, you know, but I think there's some there's some similarities given the system that they run, the system that we run at San Francisco, where they, they can certainly apply some of what they learned from last week's game into this week's game to slow them down. Um, just the Falcons, bro. Like, and what 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 made it comical? Matt Ryan obviously has the ankle situation, so they take him out. They put in Josh Rosen. He throws a pick. All right, coach is like, all right, that was a bad idea. No problem. Let's put Felipe Franks in. You know, because Felipe Franks has a little wiggle about him. He throws an interception. So, like, what do you do at that point? <laughs> what do you do? And these were the interceptions where it was like, all right, you know, like, the defensive back made a great play or, you know, the wide receiver fell down or the ball was tipped. Like, these were terrible, just throws into, into the defenders. Like, they were throwing at the defense, not – to their wide receiver. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Jaguars. I don't care. I, I have zero faith in the Falcons to do to do anything. And with that being said, they probably come out and score 40 against the Jaguars. But I'm taking the Jaguars to win the game. Flip a coin. Los Angeles Chargers at the Denver Broncos. Again, I think it's another interesting game for the Chargers because, again, on paper, no way – that the Broncos should be able to compete at all. You know, they just gave away Von Miller. Um, they, they, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like, our, uh, we're not really sure what he is. Is he the starter every now and then? You'll hear, you know, should they put Drew Locke in? Vic Fangio continues to, you know, make questionable calls offensively, defensively. Uh, I'm not sure how much involvement he has in the offense, but. Defensively, the, the defense has been inconsistent. Obviously, Sertain. Uh, no, Sertain. Yeah, Sertain. Great pickup, but unproven. So I am, reluctantly, I am going to take the Los Angeles Chargers. I do feel like, again, it's a talent-driven league. I do feel like offensively and defensively, there's a, there's a lot more to look forward to from the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know, if we just look at the quarterback position, no way Teddy Bridgewater competes with Justin Herbert. There's no way that Melvin Ingram competes with um, Austin Eckler. There's no, uh, now I will say, you know, again, uh, Hamler, Patrick, um, not Ruggs, uh, the other speed guy that they picked up, that they drafted. Ah, shit. Is it Riggs? I can't remember his name either. But they have a decent core of wide receivers. It's just that Teddy is not going to be able to throw them the ball. They could put Drew Locke in. He has a stronger arm, but he's inaccurate. So, like, what do you do? 
And I just think that the Los Angeles Chargers have more of a team as a unit. These guys have played together a lot more than the Denver Broncos. So I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, but again, flip a coin. Another big game in the NFC, Los Angeles Ram at the Green Bay Packers. Packers are one and a half point favorites. Aaron Rodgers has an injured toe. Among other things, he, his pride might be a little injured after taking that loss to the Vikings. Maybe important down the line, especially if the Packers continue to flounder and end up in one of those wild card uh, games instead of the number one seed that they're hoping for. Los Angeles Rams coming off a bye. I think they've had uh, two weeks now to put OBJ into the system uh, to get Matthew Stafford and him on the same page. I think the game against the 49ers, again, if you if you don't take anything away from a loss like that, is you, you got to learn how to adjust. You got to learn how to take those lumps and apply them you know, to what you're trying to do. And I think, again, another great opportunity for the Rams to take advantage. I do think they take advantage of the Packers. I think the Packers consistently make things more difficult for themselves with all the off-the-field stuff just from the quarterback. Like, bro, just play quarterback. you know. And I know that when you get to a certain level in the NFL, people want to talk to you. People want to see you. People want to hear your opinions. You don't have to give it to them, though. Like, this guy's on every podcast. He's on every show. He's he's attending every press conference. He's talking for hours. He just has all these personal opinions and situations. And sometimes I don't think he thinks about how that affects the team because in, they're, they're going to take what you say and go ask them about it, you know? And if I'm a offensive tackle, if I'm a tight end, obviously I respect Aaron Rodgers for the player that he is. But I just want to go out here and play ball, bro. Like, I don't want to have to uh, answer questions about what this guy did, what this guy said, what this guy's going through, and and then and then have to kind of mince my words or be concerned about how do I answer this without necessarily maybe saying something bad about Aaron. Because, you know, don't want to get on Aaron's bad side with his little snooty attitude. Um, taking the Rams. I hate both teams, <laughs> but I'm taking the Rams just because if the Packers lose, that takes them out further out of that number one seed. And I think um, even though they have the tiebreaker over us in San Francisco, I think the more teams at the top that we can get to lose, the more games we can win while that happens, the better. So I'm taking the Los Angeles Rams over the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota Vikings at San Francisco. We're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, again, Minnesota is a tough out. You know, uh, they are they are not the Jaguars. They are not the Rams that we faced. I think they're physical. I think um, they're physical offensively and defensively. I think they have dynamic weapons on the outside. At wide receiver, obviously, Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen. You know, so I think uh, we have to prepare for them. And, uh, you know, with that being said, we can't necessarily just uh, avoid Dalvin Cook, who can take it to the end zone any play. He gets a he gets a crease. He can go for 40 easily. So we really have to prepare. We really have to be on our P's and Q's. I think offensive line they have Minnesota. I mean, the offensive line that they have is stout. They play well together. They don't mess up a lot of assignments. We have to hope. And, and I think. 
it will happen. I think Kirk Cousins will, um, you know, turn back into uh, Cinderella and no longer be a princess in this game, at least. So I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers over the Minnesota Vikings. We continue to push towards the playoffs. Again, this game, I know that we won the last two versus the Rams versus the Jaguars. Not too much weight from my perspective in those two victories, given the the the, the competition and the situation that they were in. Um, this game, Minnesota coming in pretty much healthy from my perspective. We have a couple players banged up, but I mean, we're, you could say, as healthy as we've been uh, all season with uh, Wilson coming back, with uh, Kittle, this being his third game back, Mitchell coming back healthy, uh, Greenlaw possibly coming back healthy at linebacker. So we have some players coming back that we can look forward to uh, on offense and defense. And that's why I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers. It's a two and a half point spread. I think we cover that spread too. You know, I think if we, if we, if we, if we lock in and we really focus, we can beat these, we can beat these guys by seven easy. Next game, Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Never been high on the Browns. Browns have been done for me for a very long time. So I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens, minus three and a half points. Lamar Jackson coming back after an illness. I want to say Hollywood Brown didn't play in the last game. He will play in this game. Browns continue to struggle, continue to have a poor offensive performance. Baker continues to, um, you know, play the play mediocre is the best way I can put it. So I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. They are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they cover that spread. I do think the Ravens win the game by at least seven points. Um, or at least 3.5 points. Four-point game, you know, 17-13 um, or something like that. Um, I don't see this going as a shootout. And Monday Night Football, I don't – They so I'm reading that they flexed – they flexed? the 49ers and the Seahawks a division matchup to put Kansas City on Monday night versus um who did they put them up against but it's some loser team I can't remember right now uh, I'm looking at the schedule to see if I can remember who they I think the team is on a bye but they flexed Kansas City into Monday Night Football. And I'm thinking Seahawks and the Washington football team on Monday night, they couldn't flex this game. Like, they couldn't flex Tennessee and New England into that Monday night game. Like, throw us a bone here. Ain't nobody going to be watching this game. Seahawks football team. Like, even, even Vegas doesn't care about this game. They didn't even give any team a full point. Literally, it's a 0.5 spread. 0.5, bro? That tells you Vegas doesn't care about this game. They don't want you to win if you bet with the, with the Seahawks. They don't care if you bet with the, the football team. Either way, it's an L for you because you bet with one of these loser teams. Um, I'm going to take the Washington football team, though, to win the game. I think, again, the football team has shown 
that they can compete. They they took the Packers to the wire if it wasn't for couple of uh, misplays, a couple of stupid calls by the refs. They might have won that game. They just beat the Carolina Panthers, who were a tough match matchup, who I think offensively um, play a very similar game compared you know, to the Seahawks. I think they want to run the ball. The Seahawks want to be physical. They want to play action pass, and they want to open up the deep uh, plays off of those play action passes with Russell Wilson who probably throws a way better deep ball than Cam Newton, but who knows how that finger is healing. Again, like I said, when he first came back versus the Packers, definitely saw some missed throws, definitely saw some some high throws, uh, throws that were just off the spot in, in that Green Bay game. So I'm not sure if we're going to see the same here, but I'm going to take the Washington football team. I think just like, you know, so many of the other teams in the NFL where uh, Ron Rivera is a great coach. I think he's a good coach. I think the team is organized, right? Where where we don't see a lot of those um, shoot yourself in the foot penalties per se. Where the football team struggles is they don't have the talent, right? They don't have the talent at quarterback per se. I'm not saying Heineke is a terrible quarterback, but he's he was who he was as far as a backup and they called him from being a math teacher, wherever he was like, he was available in the way that he was for a reason. And he was the backup to Fitzpatrick for a reason. You know, um, I think Gibson, he's on my fantasy team. So I've firsthand seen, you know, it's kind of boom or bust with him. Uh, the tight end Logan Thomas. Haven't seen much of him now. McLaurin without a doubt baller. But after that, Who's really going to stand out in the wide receiver position? You know, they brought over the guy from Carolina who is injured. And I can't remember his name right now. Samuel. They brought over Samuel, um, hoping that he would, again, be that one-two punch. But he has not been able to stay healthy. I am, however, taking the Washington football team because I do feel like they will make less mistakes than the Seahawks, who offensively and defensively just continue to make mistakes. DK Metcalf, another guy, great talent, wonderful. Um, I have nothing vindictive to say about the guy, but he just continues to put himself in situations that make his character look a certain way. And when your team's down by whatever they were down in the last game, and you start putting your hands on people's face and, and grab people by the face mask, like that's, it's juvenile stuff, bro. And, you, you know, you're we we know this is a, a kid's game, as they say. But, you know, there's a there's a maturity that happens, you know, with some of the greats. And I'm just not quite sure, at least from my perspective, DK hasn't shown that maturity, you know, be it trying to gain an extra whatever amount of yards when all you had to do is get out of bounds or. Again, a couple of times he's gotten in people's faces and gotten penalties, sometimes in critical moments. You know, I know in that game, the game was basically over, so it didn't really matter. But he got himself ejected, which continues to just put a put a stain, you know, on what the team is trying to do. I think negativity breeds more negativity and things like that aren't helpful to the culture of what you're trying to do as a team. And, and you know, it was interesting. I just thought about, you know, it's they always say Pete Carroll is a is a player's coach, right? But I think if we look over the last, I don't know, 
five or six seasons since kind of Richard Sherman and in the the Legion of Boom had that kind of blowout after the Super Bowl. You know, I think Pete Carroll in so many ways has kind of lost control, you know, of the team. You know, you you see these type, you know, outbursts from players like Jamal Adams and and DK and you know, you just see again personal fouls and just poor decision making where if there was a coach who had his 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 finger on the pulse of the team, they would not want to let coach down. They would not want to do things that are detrimental to the team, right? And I think they have a lot of players who are playing selfish ball right now, and it's not working out for them. I'm going to take the Washington football team uh, in that game on Monday night. If I decide to watch the game, I don't know. I usually do because I just like football. I watch all the preseason games. You know, I watch all the OTA footage I can. Um, I, I'm just enamored <laughs> with the league. But let's recap week 12. I'm taking the Lions uh, coming up here in about two hours. I am taking the Dallas Cowboys over the Raiders. I'm taking the Bills over the Saints. I'm taking the Colts. Shout out to Braylon. He's a huge Colts fan. I'm taking the Colts over the Buccaneers. I just feel like it's their time. It's their time to make a statement. They've slowly been building up to this. I think now is the time to make that statement. I'm taking the Houston Texans over the New York Jets. I'm taking the Eagles over the Giants. I'm taking the Panthers over the Miami Dolphins. I'm taking the Patriots over the Tennessee Titans. I'm taking the Bengals over the Steelers. I am taking the Jaguars over the Atlanta Falcons because uh, they're a joke. <laughs> I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers over the Denver Broncos. I think they're just the more talented team. I'm taking the Rams over the Packers. They've had a week to prepare. Aaron has been busy showing off his toe or whatever other stupid stuff he's been doing. I'm not sure if he's been preparing, but he so you know he didn't practice last week. He had a crappy game. He's not going to practice probably for this week. We'll see what happens. Taking the 49ers over the Vikings. Taking the Ravens over the Browns. And I'm taking the Washington football team over the Seattle Seahawks. This is your NFL Week 12 picks and predictions. Again, this is Big Block Sports. My name is Malcolm May. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Big Block Sports Podcast. 